tonight, you guys can go ahead and have a seat, and Steve is going to come up and share a couple of announcements with us. Have you worshiping with us this morning? I just want to welcome you on behalf of our Creekside family. If you're here as a guest, this is your first time at Creekside. I just encourage you to, if you would be willing to do this, in the seat in front of you, there is a rack, and on the, in that rack, there's a little card. If you'd take that card out, fill it out, and then put it in the offering plate. That's all we'd ask you to put in the offering plate, as uh, or uh, not plate the little sacks that go by, I guess that's what they call them. Uh, so if you'd put that in there, that'd be great. We'd sure appreciate that. Just glad that you're worshiping with us this morning. Also want to uh, invite our church family. We have small groups that are starting up on the 14th, so it's kind of a new season of those small groups. So if you were, are interested in that, hadn't been in a small group before, uh, if you'd just go to the Guest Central and just uh, let the gals there know that you're interested in a small group, then we can get your name and we'd be glad to try to channel you and get you involved in a small group. We're trying something new here at the beginning of the year. We're opening our service with all of the young people. The kids are in here from kindergarten on up, and they'll be with us in the service until we uh, start to get ready for the message. And at that time, the praise team will dismiss them after the last song before the message, and so then they can go back to their, their classrooms. That's the kindergarten on up. Younger than that, just uh, they're supposed to go back where they normally start, so that's a good thing. Also, just if you take note in the bulletin, we got a baptism, baby dedication that are coming up, and immediately following the service, we have a special potluck a farewell for our friends uh, Jeff and Vicki Westfall, who we're going to be moving soon to our chagrin, but to their joy and blessing, so we want to send them out with a blessing of the Lord, and we invite you to stay for that, even if you didn't come prepared. And the last thing that I want to call your attention to is that at the end of the service, we're going to have an update from our Haiti team. Uh, Norb Metzler is going to kind of come and summarize the excitement that the guys experienced and the joy of the Lord that they enjoyed down in Haiti uh, this past fall. And I'm looking forward to hearing all of that. So uh, we're grateful for that. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to take up our offering. Father, we are so grateful uh, that your grace is enough. Uh, for us and at times I know that life throws curveballs at us and there are difficulties and challenges and it seems that nothing is enough but I know that you are and your grace is sufficient for us as Paul understood that your grace is sufficient for me even in times of trial and struggle I pray now that as we uh, give to you for the work of your kingdom here and around the world, I pray that you'd use these gifts for your glory and to advance your cause. We pray in Jesus' name. Good morning and Happy New Year. A couple of weeks ago at work, I was in a staff meeting and the leader wanted us to go around the room and tell us something about 2018 that we uh, that was noteworthy to us. And it was kind of striking to me that two people that were sitting next to each other, one was rejoicing and ex exclaiming over how nice it was to be married. He and his girlfriend had lived together for six years and they decided to get married and, and he said it, it really meant something to me. And so he was rejoicing. The lady next to him, um, she had lost her son to a drug overdose in 2017. So there was this contrast in that room, um, 2017, to one, just the worst year ever, to the other, a bright and a hopeful year. 
And this is kind of, you know, how our lives go. I noticed a number of posts on Facebook of people saying, treating 2017 like it was a person, saying, don't let the door hit you in the backside on the way out. You were a terrible year. Here's to a better 2018. And so we have this past that we live with, right? And there's things we want to remember, and there's things we want to forget. And the key, I think, is to what do we carry forward and what do we leave behind? And I, and I think this passage that we're going to talk about this morning in Philippians 3 really speaks to that um, quite nicely. So that's why I chose it for New Year's, uh, New Year's message. We're taking a break here. Next week we'll get back to our uh, series on 1 John on possessing what we profess. So we're going to take up part of Philippians 3. And like I said, it, it does give us some guidance on what do we remember, what do we forget, and where, what should our goals be. And to kind of help us internalize this and take this forward, I, I have put together a few ideas. Okay, so we're going to have this phrase that is supposed to help us remember it. So first of all, there's things we need to pitch. So I've got a garbage can over here. Pitch it. If you've been in a public park, you've probably seen this sign that says pitch in. Uh, put trash in its place. So there's things that we need to pitch, okay? So we pitch it or we pack it. I got a backpack over here. Sometimes if you go on a hike, you need to carry a few things, but you don't want too much. You only want things that are going to be useful to you. So pitch it or pack it, but always press on. And so we have a goal. And for believers, we have a very clear goal given to us in Philippians chapter 3. And we're going to talk about that later on. So pitch it or pack it, but always press on. Before we go any further, I want to pray and ask God's help on our time together. Father, thank you for the Lord Jesus. Thank you for calling us. Thank you for making us your children. And thank you for giving us a goal and a hope in this life to press on toward. Thank you for giving us something that can eclipse whatever is in the past experience of any of us in this room. I just pray that we would know what to carry forward, what to leave behind, and always press on to the goal that you've set before us. And I just ask your blessing on our time together this morning. Pray that you would be glorified and your spirit would lead. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so before we jump into the verses 12 through 16 that I want to spend most of the time on, I want to, to set a little context of the first part of the chapter because I think it's important. Uh, Paul talks about the people that were coming in to the, talk to the Philippians and tell them, hey, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to do the other thing. Paul says, you know what, they've done all those things. I've done a lot more, but that's not where we stand. Where we stand, our righteousness comes through faith in Jesus Christ. And he establishes that in an argument before what we're going to read and I hope that you have all come to that conclusion too, that you want to be righteous and that you've, your standing of righteousness before God is through faith in Jesus Christ. If you haven't, the things we talked about this morning may not apply so directly to you because when you have your faith in Jesus Christ and you're a child of God, you've been given a goal and a purpose that is different than what you had before. So... 
righteousness through faith in Jesus Christ is what Paul establishes in the first part of Philippians 3. And he goes through and he, he builds up kind of his own qualifications. Like I said, he said, you know, these people say they've done all these great things. I have built a much better resume than any of them. And so he builds up this long list of things that constitute his own self-righteousness. It's, here's, I was born in Israel. That's God's chosen people. I was born in Benjamin. I was a tribe of Benjamin. The people that, that maintained God's standard the best, they didn't go off and, and follow idols. They still went to Jerusalem. I, you know, was a Pharisee, the strictest group of the Jews. I persecuted the, the church. You know, that was an accomplishment when Paul was doing that, he considered that a sign of his zeal because the church was against what he believed at that point in time. And so he, he had that as a boastful thing. He kept the law, all these things. He built up his self-righteousness. But he concludes in verse 8 by saying, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. All of his accomplishments didn't matter to him, and, and, and he calls them rubbish. That's why we have the garbage can, because that's where you put rubbish. And Paul put all of his accomplishments and his zeal and his birthright and everything, he put it in the garbage because he had something that far surpassed the worth of that. And that's what we're pressing on toward in this life. The worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And this isn't like being able to um, quote Jesus. This isn't knowing, you know, all the prophecies about Jesus and how they came to pass. This is about a personal relationship that Paul had and was striving to deepen with Jesus. Jesus Christ, my Lord. And so that's what allowed him to take these things that we might consider accomplishments, that he considered accomplishments, and count them as rubbish, as garbage, to be thrown in the garbage can. So, let's move on, and let's actually look at the passage that we have today. I think in uh, verse 12, we'll start, and I'll just read those verses to us. You can follow along on the screen, or if you have your Bible, open it up there. I'll be reading it out of the English Standard Version. He says, not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only, let us hold true to what we have attained. So let's, let's jump into this a little bit. Um, so he talks about, not that I have already obtained this. So what's he talking about when he says this? I think he's referring back to verses 10 and 11 in our chapter where he says that I may know him, and we, we read a reference to that already, that I may know Christ and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, 
that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. So there's kind of a couple parts of that. One is knowing Christ. And we talked about that personal relationship, that acquaintance with Jesus, the conversation, the listening to him, the, the pouring out his cares to him, the, the recognition in Paul's mind and heart that Jesus listened to him, that Jesus heard him and, and knew him. And Paul wanted to know Jesus. And he wanted to be like him. It says becoming like him in his death. And this is, you know, Paul, we could say he was an extreme Christian. He wanted to become like Jesus in his death that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. And I think this goes beyond just saying I'm looking forward to the resurrection. Paul's looking forward to a martyr's death. You know, I remember when I was in fourth grade, there was a Friday where I went home and I forgot my homework. And I, I was just filled with fear the whole weekend. What am I going to do Monday when I go back to school and I don't have my homework? You know, I don't know what that tells you about me, but I, I was stressing out about it the whole weekend. And you know what I was doing? I was praying that Jesus would come so I wouldn't have to go back to my teacher and tell her I didn't do my homework. This is not the kind of Christian that Paul was. He didn't look at something uncomfortable or difficult and say, Jesus, come, take me out of this. He wanted to be raised from among the dead. He wanted to go into death, into a martyr's death, because that would make him more like Jesus. So Paul was really striving towards this. Now the other thing he starts out, he says, not that I have already obtained this, or I'm already perfect, but I press on. So there's kind of a, a little bit of a hint of a race in this passage. And I've watched a lot of 5K races. And when the kids line up at the starting line, none of them thinks they've obtained. You see that right away. The gun goes off and they take off, some faster than they should, some slower than they should. You know, they might give up along the way, they, they might slow down along the way, they might speed up along the way. But none of them stop at the starting line. And so Paul's saying, you know what? I'm not stopping because I'm not there. I haven't already obtained it. I haven't got to the finish line of being like Christ and knowing him to the extent that I want to know him. And I'm going to press forward to that. So he says, I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. There's a powerful motivation here on Paul's part that he, that he has. He says, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. And so um, there's a, I put in this verse from Romans 8, verse 29. It says, those whom he foreknew, or God, whom God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So God made us his own. He made us his own children, but he had a purpose in it. He had a goal for our life, and it was that we would be conformed to the image of his son, that our character would be like Jesus' character, that our heart would be like Jesus' heart, that our goals would be like Jesus' goals, that we would seek the glory of God above all things and walk in obedience to God our Father. And God called us, God or knew us and predestined us for that very purpose. And if that's God's goal for our life, 
That should be our goal for our life. And that was Paul's goal for his life, to be like Christ and to know Christ. And so this is the goal. This is the finish line that Paul is moving towards. And he repeats again. He says, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. So, you know, we talk about this process of sanctification. Uh, we talk about possessing what we profess. You know, when God called us in Christ Jesus, it was for this purpose, and he's going to accomplish this goal of having us be just like Jesus and being in full relationship. It says, knowing as we are known, that's going to come true one day. But we're not sitting there at the, fin at the starting line waiting for the finish line to come to us. We press forward. We press forward, not considering that we've gotten there yet. Because we're not going to get there until God calls us, as it says in the next sentence, he says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That's the goal. That's when it's going to be fully completed. But we are growing through this life in that process of becoming more and more like Jesus and really knowing what to pitch and what to pack and what to press on towards is the key to becoming more like Jesus. So, he says, forgetting what lies behind. And what lies behind varies for each of us. For Paul, there were a lot of accomplishments that he had made. He had also failed. He was persecuting the church. He, he was very zealously persecuting the church, and then later he had to say, well, I did that, but it wasn't according to knowledge. I, I didn't know what I was doing. Well, he was doing, he was kicking against the will of God. So he had failures too. And our goal, our successes in life, they can cause us to become self-satisfied. And our failures, they can make us falter. You know, we might, we might slow down. Maybe we, we lost a few places in the race or something. And so we just get discouraged and we hang back. Um, also, you know, our hurts can hinder the way that we move forward, and they can make us kind of hide from this path um, of difficulty that God has called us toward in making us like Jesus. And so we need to be able to, to pitch those things, pitch them. Our successes, our failures, our hurts, those things are not going to help us. If we put them, the stuff that goes in the garbage can in our backpack and try to carry it with us, it's going to slow us down, isn't it? We're going we're gonna to be self-satisfied, so we're not pressing on. We're going to be, you know, uh, faltering and hiding um, and, and shrinking back from pushing forward into the goal. So we need to get rid of those things that are past. You know, even successes, sometimes we think, well, I like to think about my accomplishments. It makes me stronger. There was a, a, a mailman from Cuba and he entered the 1904 Olympics uh, for his country, and he ran the marathon in St. Louis. And he, he got to New Orleans, and he lost all of his money. He had to hitchhike up to St. Louis. And he got there in time for the race, and he, he cut off his pants, and he ran the marathon in street clothes. And it was a very hot day, as you can imagine, July in St. Louis. It was dusty, but he was used to it, and he was having no problem. He was cruising along. He was so far ahead of everybody that he got two miles from the finish line, and he hadn't eaten in 30 hours, and he was hungry, and he saw an apple orchard, and he thought, I'm just going to go get myself 
an apple or two because I'm starving and I'm way ahead of everybody. I'm satisfied. I'm doing pretty good. I've got a lot of success here. Well, he wasn't. He wasn't successful. He hadn't made it to the finish line. So he ate the apples. They weren't ripe yet. And his stomach cramped up and he had to watch as one, two, three people passed him. Gold, silver, and bronze down the drain. And he came in fourth place. He lost it because he was self-satisfied with his success. And we can get that way with, as Christians. We can get satisfied. Oh, I did a good work. I did a good deed. I'm okay. I'm going to slow down here. Not Paul. Press forward. Press forward. Forgetting what is past. So, you know, you can say, well, that's pretty easy to tell me forget. But I can't forget um, just, oh, this is the, the guy running the marathon there. <laughs> Sorry. Um, it's not as easy as just forgetting, and I, I get that. Paul remembered these things. You know, he listed them out in Ephesians, but he said, I count them all as rubbish. So when he says forgetting what's be behind, it's, it's the, he's not focused on those things. He's not satisfied with those things. He's pressing forward, and we can't get a thought out of our mind without replacing it, right? So I brought this bright orange bag up here. If, if I said just ignore the bright orange bag till the end, and we'll, we'll talk about that later. It wouldn't work, right? I would have to fill your mind with something else. And so Paul says, press on, straining forward to what lies ahead. So the way to leave the negatives and the positives and the things that are going to slow us down behind is to have that goal ahead of us be straining towards that. Because when we turn around and look, I don't know how many times I've seen in the finish stretch of a race somebody turn around to see is, is somebody coming because i'm going to slow down a little bit or i'm just going to keep cruising if nobody's coming and somebody on the other side goes by and takes that position from them we need to keep our eyes ahead not behind us and so paul strains forward towards what lies ahead and that is the full completion of our goal that is our goal in this life our goal to know Christ better and to be more like Christ that's going to be fully fulfilled at the coming of Jesus. And that was the ultimate goal that Paul had before us, before him. And he says that's really the goal of all mature Christians. All mature Christians will look, will think of life that way. Nobody, and he says it again, he says, um, Okay, now I missed it. He says again, not that, well, yeah, back up again. He says twice, not that I consider that I have made it my own. Paul says, we haven't reached the finish line. I haven't reached the finish line. I don't, I don't consider myself to have gotten there. And so he says, that's a mature way to think. No good runner is going to think he's already gotten to the finish line until he has. And so as mature believers, the goal would be to have the goal in mind and not to stop until we've passed that finish line. <clears throat> so, then there's this little sentence at the end that kind of, um, you know, if you're just reading along, you, you see this, forget what's behind, press forward, 
forget what's behind, press forward, I'm not there yet. But then he says this little sentence <clears throat> at the end, <clears throat> excuse me, only let us hold true to what we have attained. So you might say, well, <clears throat> Paul, that seems a little contradictory. You said, forget what's past, and now you say, hold true to what you've attained. Doesn't that mean we're looking at our accomplishments? No, remember what the goal is? To be like Christ and to know Christ. And through these circumstances, there's things that we learn that make us more like Christ. Maybe we learn some patience in a difficult thing. Maybe we learn the power of God to come in, you know, when I wasn't prepared or I, I was not in the right state, but God used me. And so now I see, oh, the power is of God. It's not from me. So I learned something more about Christ. Maybe I learned that when I failed and I sinned, I still had a friend in Jesus, that I could confess my sin to him and that he would bring in comfort to my heart and that he would show me that my standing before him is not in my own righteousness but in the righteousness of Christ achieved through faith in him, not through my good works. And so as we learn these things, we don't want to leave them behind. We want to take them with us. And so those are the things that Paul says to, to hold true to as we move forward. So, how do we know? What do we, what do we pitch? Well, if it's about me, I need to get rid of it. You know, whether it's a failure, whether it's a success, hurts, whatever it is, is it about me? If it's about me, I need to forget it because that's going to slow me down. That's going to be weight that I carry that's not going to help me forward, whether, whether it's any of those things. And Paul says about those types of things, he says, I count them as rubbish. They go in the garbage heap. So we pitch it, pitch it in. Then what do we pack? Well, is it about the goal? Did it help me know him better? Did I gain confidence in the power of God to work through me? Did I gain comfort in his grace to me when I failed? Did I learn patience through having to wait longer than I wanted to wait? It made me more like him. It made me know him better. Keep it. Hold true, Paul says, to what we have attained. But always press on. Pitch it, pack it, but always press on. Keep the goal in mind. We're going to wrap up here with a little, um, little exercise. So hopefully you're paying attention because now it's test time and, and we're going to have a little participation in this. We can pull this off here. So how do we know when to pitch it and when to pack it? I've told this story in different groups, so I'm not going to go into details. But there was a couple, older couple that I bought some land from before I was married. And every month I would go pay my monthly payment because I bought it on contract to them and I got to become friends with them. And then I sold the land and kind of lost touch with them. Every now and then we would stop in, Debbie and I. But I realized that even though they knew I was a Christian and, you know, I had been kind to them, I had never really given them the gospel. And I, as the years went by, I realized they were getting older and older. So I went to visit them. Very resolutely, I was going to give them the gospel no matter what. I walk up to the house, there's other people on the porch, and I find out 
that Bob had died. And that, that was a blow to me. But I, I was still resolved I was going to talk to Cleta. And so I talked to Cleta about the gospel of Jesus Christ, and she said, I've, I've believed that since I was a child. And Bob came to believe that in the last couple weeks of his life. Because our son-in-law is a pastor, and when he was in the hospital, our son-in-law led him to Jesus. Okay, so we're going to take that situation and break it down, and we're going to talk about what do we pitch, what do we pack. Okay, so here's the first thing. Obviously, I missed my opportunity. Pitch it or pack it? Pitch it. All right. You guys are good. Because that's about me. That's about my failure. I missed my opportunity. Pitch it. I learned, well, I learned that I need to follow the Spirit when He leads me. Right? I, I'm still not 100% good with that. But I've learned, I learned that in a very difficult way. Pitch it or pack it? Pack it. So let's pack it. At least I finally did it. You know, I mean, I, I put it off too long on half of the story, but I finally did it, right? That was pretty good. Pitch, pitch it. That's right, pitch it. Why? Because that's about me. That was about me, and it's not going to help me to be self-satisfied in that. The death of a lost person is a sad finality. Pitch it or pack it? Pack it. Right. So I'm, I'm putting some things that might be useful on a hike, maybe. That's right, we pack it. Because that is a truth that God has made clear to us. And if we internalize that, it will make us more like Christ. One of the great things I learned to this circumstance, I, I don't, you know, maybe I'm tipping off the answer, but God can do his work without me, but he doesn't want to. Pack it. That's right. When I say that's right, I'm just saying I agree. <laughs> yes, God wants to use us in his work, but he doesn't, he's not limited by our abilities. And that was one of the things I learned in a bitter, difficult way. So, just want to encourage you. Pitch it or pack it, but always press on. Know what your goal is and press on towards that goal. To know Christ, to be like Christ, it's a growing process. One day that growing process is going to be over with. And we're going to be full grown. We're going to be in the image of Christ. And that's what God has called us to. That's his goal for us. That's my goal for myself. That's Paul's goal for himself. That's our goal for each one of us this morning. So may God help us as we push forward, as we press on, uh, to know what to pitch and what to pack but always to press on. And you know that the foundation of who we are in Christ, how we can be like him, how we can grow to know him better is in the cross. And the cross is what we remember when we take communion this morning as you come up and you take the bread, you take the juice. If you know Jesus as your savior, do that as a reminder that your righteousness, that your success, that your goal comes because of the relationship that God made possible through Jesus on the cross. If you don't know him, it's a good time for you to sit back and consider, you know, what, what is your goal in life? Do you need a goal that's eternal? You do. I hope you come to know Jesus today if you have questions about it. There's any number of people in this room, myself included, 
that would like to talk to you about what Jesus did for you and how he can set a goal for your life. So let's give thanks for the bread and the juice, and then during the next song, you can come up and participate in that. Father, thank you for the Lord Jesus. Thank you for the, the purpose that you've given us in life to know Christ and to become like Christ. Just pray for grace to, to forget what's behind, to carry forward the things that we've attained as we press on to the goal of the calling on high of God through Jesus Christ. I just pray for each one of us that our hearts would be resting firmly in the foundation of the cross this morning. Thank you for this bread that reminds us of the body of our Savior, the Lord Jesus, given for us. Thank you for this juice that reminds us of his blood shed for us to redeem us from our sins. Thank you, Lord Jesus, in your precious name. Amen. slide here. You might be asking what uh, can we do as a church to help the Haitians, these wonderful people. There's a need for education for kids and young adults. The cost is only $135 a year per child which includes lunch. You could sponsor a young man or woman to come to the U.S. for college. There's lots of, lots of folks that want to come to the U.S. Right Bob? And uh, there's a need for food, clothing, and shelter. For about $4,500, we can provide a new bricks-slash-cement home for an entire family. There's need for employment, need for clean water, electric, and plumbing. There's a need to help finance people from our church to go to Haiti. Provide money to hire Haitians to help with the work projects. And also, you can shop at the Many Hands for Haiti thrift store on Highway 141 in Grimes. How many of you have seen that store know about it? Okay, very good. You can go there and you can, you know, find some pretty good items. Or you can donate to, uh, to the store. Please contact Bob Vaughn if you're interested in going to Haiti to help with the practical needs of these dear people. I have some copies of, of those needs on the, the table there in the foyer. You can take one home if you like. Well, here comes my turn here. I, I'd like to now tell you why I went to Haiti, and I have a story to share from my heart. I guess I went because of curiosity. I heard about it from Bob Vaughn and Tom Calmer and Bob, I'm sorry, Tom Baird and Bob Calmer. <laughs> I listened to their stories and I saw their pictures. I was kind of nervous about it, but I thought uh, it would be really cool to see it for myself. What did the Haiti trip do for me? It gave me a heartfelt compassion for the dear people of Haiti. It made me realize that I have so much and they have so little. It enabled me to be better prepared to pray 
uh, and think about what I could do to help their situation. Also feel to compelled uh, to share you uh, with you a story from my personal experience there. And this is how it goes. You guys saw the airplane there landing in the grass field. When we got off the plane, we uh, stood under the wing for shade from the Haitian sun. And as we were standing there, Haitians came around and talked to us. And this young man introduced himself to me. His name was Pastor Fenuel. He asked me who I was, and I told him. And he asked me right away, are you a believer in Jesus Christ? And I said, yes, I was. And uh, got to just talk to him a little bit there. And then during the week, we, uh, we kind of got to know each other a little bit more. He helped in the, in the Bible school. And he helped us with the uh, assembling the office furniture. And so we kind of got to be friends a little bit. And as we were talking, he asked me, do you ever preach? And I said, well, yeah, I do once in a while. He said, well, you come preach at my church. And I said, well, maybe, I, you know, I, I probably could. But I've got to check with, with our leader, Bob, to see uh, if it's possible to do that and the timing. So I checked with Bob and and uh, he said, yeah, you can go. They have a 5.30 service, so I could go to that. But don't go alone, Bob said. And so did uh, Jacqueline. I checked with him. So as it turned out, I told him that I would go, and he was going to meet me at the, at the gate of the Minnesota house at 5 o'clock. And we went out that day to view homes and visit families and so on, and uh, didn't get back till 5.40, and there... Pastor Fenio was waiting with a motorcycle and a driver, and uh, you know, I, they just kind of scooped me off of the, the four-wheel drive truck, and I got on the motorcycle, me in the middle, uh, his driver in the front, and him in the back, and Jocelyn was sitting there. I said, you want to come along? You know, you're supposed to go with. He said, no, that'd be four of us. That's too many, and uh, he said, you can go, but be careful. Just don't stay long. So here I am on this motorcycle, they're driving through town and getting, you know, to a more poorer section of town. And then all of a sudden we're driving out of town and into a, a, a grass field and so on. And then they parked the motorcycle and walked up this incline. And here stood this building, pole building with a little bit of a thatched roof and about 40 people sitting, you know, on wooden chairs. And there's an empty chair for me waiting in front to sit down in and the service was already going and there was a couple of girls that were doing some solos and and as they were doing that I'm crying out to the Lord what do I say Lord I don't even have my Bible you know with me what do you want me to what do you want me to talk about and I just felt like the Lord just quietly saying to me just tell them your story tell them how you came to how you came to know me so it was my turn to get up, and Pastor Finial introduced me. It was all in Haitian and Creole. And I said, folks, you know, I'm glad I'm here with you. I just want to tell you my story, how I came to know the Lord. I said, as a young man, as a young boy, I grew up in a Christian home, and my mother and father told me that you need to believe in Jesus Christ, accept him as your Lord and Savior, otherwise you're going to go to hell and not go to heaven. And boy, I, I did want to go to heaven. And so I did, you know, as my mom and dad told me, I prayed to receive Christ. As far as I know, I met it, meant it as a boy. 
and all this was being translated back and forth. And um, then I told him, as a young, young man, I walked away from God. I turned away. I started to drinking and smoking and partying and didn't want anything to do with God anymore. And then there was a man from a faraway place that came, came to our church, and he told us about the love of God and the compassion of God and the forgiveness of God. And I could just see that just bellowing out, you know, flowing through him to my heart. And I just felt under big, great conviction that the life I was living was wrong and I needed, I needed Christ really, really, truly in my heart. And I prayed to the Lord. And there again, this is all being, every sentence being interpreted. And I asked the Lord to forgive me. And I said, Lord, when I was a kid, I don't really know for sure. You know, I think I, I believed in you. But today, I know for sure. I want you to be my Savior. I was about 19. I want to live for you. I want you to come and live in my heart. And I really mean it this time. And God did change my heart, and he loved on me, and he forgave me, and made me a new, a new person. And I re recited uh, John 3.16 to them, and interpreted, and gave them a prayer, and I prayed that they would do the same, to really, really believe, and not just in their head, but in their heart, believe in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And then I... I said amen, and then a lot of people came up to me and wanted to touch me and wanted to shake my hand and say hello and so on. And then after that, they scooped me back on the motorcycle, three of us, and took me back to the compound. Yeah. There I was, and I, and I just will remember that, you know, that story all of my life. And I just want to tell you folks, God is in the business of changing lives all over the world. He is a very loving and forgiving and powerful God. And are you allowing, my question, are you allowing God to change your life too? And I just have, in closing, I've prepared a slideshow with some background music and a song that will fill in some of the details of, uh, of our inspiring trip. And my prayer is that you too will be moved to join us on our next mission trip to Haiti and uh, to pray for Haitians and to give to uh, some of the needs that the Haitians have. So let's go ahead and start that slideshow with the music, Adam. enjoyed the presentation uh, we're going to get ready for another one in just a second uh, not here it's not going to be as long as we're going to have a little the fellowship in the other room but before I just I just want to share it I just I mentioned when we first got back from Haiti I had a chance to talk for just a couple minutes I talked about a story and I'm going to take I'm my dad told me when I was very young there's a difference between somebody that talks fast and a fast talker and I'm going to try and talk fast okay and I just want to tell you and would you stand, stand up a minute please and Bob, stand up next to her. I want to see how tall Ann is. Bob is just a little bit taller than Ann, okay? 
And go ahead, you can sit down now, because I'm going to tell this story about this lady. Every day she'd be leaving, going somewhere. We had no idea what she was doing. But I, there was a pharmacist down there who had a list of 50 widows and then put together boxes for these 50 widows. And I know in one day she delivered 40 of them. But that's not the story I'm going to tell you. The story I'm going to tell you is after the church service that you saw there, um, there was a, uh, we, we got done on a Sunday morning and, and usually all, all the time there's people all over the place, but Sunday morning we were going, going, I was going back from the church service. We were, I had about two blocks to walk to the place we stayed and, and I see this little, little uh, Haitian lady. She's got to be at least 80 years old. Seriously, 80 years old. She's about this tall, maybe four, six, four, eight. And she's walking down the street, shuffling her feet. And she's got a cane and she's walking like this. And I'm like the only guy on the street. I'm walking behind her and I'm thinking, I really need to help this woman get home. But I'm, some of you know that, well, the doctors tell me I can't lift anything. Michael Nicewarmer, he kicks me out of the room every Wednesday night at Awana's and says, you can't lift these tables. So, yeah, you know, he looks after me. But, and so I'm thinking, I'm, I want to help her home. I want to pick her up and carry her home. But I'm not supposed to lift anything. And so, you know, plus I'm a... Uh, I'm, you know, I don't know how people are going to react to that if they see me carrying some woman down the street. So, uh, and, and so anyway, I wasn't sure about that. But um, that every night we, we had a conversation. You saw the table where we ate around, and every night we had a conversation of what was the good things that happened to us that day and the bad things that happened to us. And um, anyway, Ann talks about, all of a sudden she's talking, she said, I had quite an experience today. She said, after church, I was walking down the street, and there was this little old lady that could hardly walk. She was walking by herself, and she said, I just picked her up and carried her home. She had to go up the hills. She had to stop two or three times. She, and she, had, she had put her over her shoulder and carried her home. Okay? She had to stop two or three times before she got her home. And, uh, and the next day, lo and behold, she was one of the ten women, ten widows, was she not, that you hadn't delivered to yet. And she got to deliver her package to her the next day. And uh, there were, some of the neighbors were in. Didn't they get called in? And, and anyway, she thanked Ann. And I just thought, this is just one of many things uh, she, she did. And um, it just gives you an idea of the dedication a lot of people have. So, Ann, I thank you. And I appreciate our friendship. And I'm able to. Um, we'd like to invite everybody here to stay for lunch today. Uh, we are uh, going to honor Jeff and Vicki Westfall, who have been... I'm, been a long time, uh, their entire lives have, have, have fellowshiped at our church. And they're going to be leaving and, and um, moving out, out of state. Um, and we would like to honor them a little bit today. Uh, if you don't know Jeff and Vicki, uh, you're still welcome for lunch, okay? You get a free lunch. I just pretend you know them, and it'll be okay. <laughs> um, um, now, Mike, is there some truth to this that you made this tree canvas back here? Who did? Oh, well, you take, take credit for it. Well, it looks pretty good. Anyway, there's, a, there's a, a little thing back there. It's called a fingerprint, a, a tree canvas. And uh, w they would just like you all to, there's a little ink thing you put your thumb on. Don't, and when you put it on the canvas, do not go like this. Just put it on and so forth. So they'll have everybody's fingerprints and something to take with them when they, uh, when they move out west. And so uh, we're going to have a program as soon as the last person gets through the food line, we're going to start a little program too. So let Jeff and Vicky go first uh, through the line, and then we'll um, we'll get the program going and uh, move it right along. I want to thank all the ladies that 
that uh, put this thing together, and uh, we've got some other plans for them, surprises for them, and, and like you guys to be a part of it. So we're just going to give thanks for the, uh, bless our time here, and give thanks for the food, okay? And when you go back in the back room, the place where you do your, your uh, uh, tree canvas with your thumb is off to the left corner, back there to the left. And then, of course, you guys know where to get the food. So, okay, so we'd like you all to stay. So thank you very much for being here this morning. Dear Lord, thank you very much for this day. We thank you for all the great things that have happened so far here this morning. We thank you for the blessings from the mission trip. We thank you for the challenges from Bob. And we ask that you will bless our time together with Jeff and Vicki and those of us who have had many years with them. Uh, we're going to be missing them in a big way. We ask that you'll bless the food that we're about to partake, partake of and bless our conversation. We ask this in your name. Amen. This revival and spreading like a wildfire in my heart. A Sunday morning, hallelujah, and it's lasting all week long. Can you hear?